the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. I hope you are doing well as we head into the weekend, uh, Memorial Day weekend, and we shall uh, have a lot to remember a lot of folks to remember, as uh, many of our listeners know, my brother, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Jim Martin, retired U.S. Marine, served in Iraq and Afghanistan and has a perspective on Memorial Day, as you can imagine, because he lost some uh, men and colleagues uh, that is different than, you know, some and many. There's many people that live with that. And so this weekend... I hope you'll find an opportunity to be with family, to do the fun things you can do, uh, but also to find time to remember uh, in our great history. There's lots of moments where people have uh, stepped up. Men have mostly stepped up, but men and women now have stepped up and uh, and died for our nation and for our freedom. And it's great to remember. You know, I always thought that when it came to 9-11, I never liked 9-11's use of never forget because forget feels like a bad word, a negative word. Then never feels like something you have to sort of, it's a negative word too. I always liked it when people used we remember. We remember. And, you know, I grew up in New Jersey and knew lots of people that were working in the, in New York that day and knew a few that were in the towers and a, a couple of them that were lost. So it's very personal. I remember, you know, I grew up my whole life seeing those towers and all. So it is, I, I will never forget, but I always thought we remember. And on Memorial Day, uh, we remember uh, at the heart of our American experiment are people who are willing to risk everything as well as end up uh, having the, the, the risk uh, play out, right? So happy Memorial Day. And, and for the many folks that will be gathered that are going to be celebrating uh, or remembering uh, and have a sadness, uh, we remember them in a special way too. So, all right, um, but let's get to what you need to know today. I, I, I'm trying to be a little bit mellow. Um, we're going to talk in a few moments with my old friend Paul Kengor. Uh, Paul Kengor, of course, is over at Grove City College, and he's writing about Ukraine and uh, Finland and Russia, and he's a very astute observer of uh, world affairs, primarily because he's such an expert on uh, communism and uh, Soviet uh, history, especially as it relates to Reagan. And, and, and he's just a historian and a political uh, uh, scientist and very valuable guy. So we'll talk with him. Uh, but and then we'll also speak about a big event coming up, conservatives gathering in uh, in Colorado uh, for a big event. Uh, Jeff Hunt, who heads up the, a great gathering, will be with us. And he himself is a great observer of uh, politics. But here's what I want to tell you. Um, we're, I started the week at the Supreme Court, out front of the Supreme Court. And I, we thought maybe the Dobbs case comes down, and it didn't. Two other cases came down, right? So maybe the, the law courts would, uh, would yield a decision on, on reversing Roe v. Wade and Dobie Bolden. Then I spent time in St. Louis. I was in St. Louis for a couple of days this week, able to travel more uh, now that we're through all this silliness. And I was out there, and I was spending time, and we were looking at some of the issues that we're facing across the country. Um, Tuesday was an election day. 
what sticks in my head this week is not so much the elections as the um, there's still ongoing, of course, recount stuff in Pennsylvania. They don't know who won uh, exactly. It looks like Dr. Oz is the winner, but now they're fighting over it. But over in Michigan, the news broke that um, the legal requirement to put your name on the ballot to be a candidate uh, for governor, you have to gather a certain number of signatures. A bunch of people, five of the candidates, paid money to gather signatures, and it was fraudulent, and they got knocked off the ballot. And so it was a legal requirement. It was I, I don't know yet if we've confirmed that it was, in fact, sort of sabotage. Could have just been negligence. But the fact is that people who wanted to be a part of the political process got dinged by the law because of bad actors. In other words, the law was used to knock people off the ballot. I'm not saying, by the way, it was used improperly. I think it sounds like it was used properly. And then overlaying that this week, it's now late in the week. I've been back in, in Washington, D.C., and I have a friend, a good friend of mine. Well, she's been on the show, Cynthia Hughes, and her son is one of the January 6th defendants. He's been in jail this whole time, and his case is this week. And at the time that I'm, uh, uh, I'm uh, last I heard, there was not a jury uh, verdict back, um, and I will, um, we'll see. Next week we'll know. At the same time, in the same courthouse, the lawyer, Michael Sussman, is on trial for lying to the FBI. I may be simplifying that. There's a different couple of charges. But the fact is that that case brought by uh, Special Prosecutor John Durham has revealed how broken our political system is, how the use of uh, the legal system, the FBI, the FISA courts, was used by Hillary Clinton and her team against Donald Trump, not just against his campaign, but then against his uh, his administration. And what you need to know now is the sophistication of the use of the legal system against we the people. It's getting more and more sophisticated. They use it with ballot initiatives. They use it in, in Michigan late, 10 days ago. The attorney general up there, a woman elected Democrat, very liberal. She said she won't enforce the law as to abortion. She just won't do it. You know, the, the, the lawfare, what they count on with lawfare is that if you are a conservative, by definition, you tend to abide by rules. That's the definition of conservatives believe that certain things have come down through time, that they are worthy of conserving and preserving, whether it's values, laws, principles. And in general, conservatives can be described as people who are rule abiders. It doesn't mean, by the way, they don't cheat. It doesn't mean that Republicans don't cheat or steal or anything else. They're human. They do. But in general, that's what the parties do. On the left, they see only one thing matters is power. And power is used in any way you can find it. So if you can't pass through the regular Democratic Republic uh, a system, if you can't pass laws that you like, you use the courts. And the courts become implementers of a far-left agenda for 30 or 40 years. That's what the Supreme Court did. Now that it's conservative, you're seeing the, uh, the, the left say, oh, it's, it's, not, it's not valid. It shouldn't be allowed. You shouldn't be allowed to reverse all that stuff we did. But that's obvious, the Supreme Court actions are obvious. What you need to know is the amount of times now that people who are more conservative or better said, who are just opposed to the regime, the power regime, the number of times that they're squashed. The men that are in jail in Washington, D.C. for January 6th are by and large working and middle class, lower middle class people. And whether you say that they were targeted, did someone say, go get those ones? I'm not sure they ever said that. But what they ended up doing was if you had wealth, you bought your way out of the trouble with lawyers and others. 
And, and so it becomes a class fight, right? And the law is used against we the people. And over time, what you realize is the best way to be safe is to not cross the system, the regime, the power of the regime. And Michael Sussman is on trial for whatever he deceived the FBI and all this stuff with John Durham. At the end of the day, I suspect that he will uh, get a slap on the wrist and he like some of the other lawyers that lied. And one of the lawyers that lied on the FISA applications, I think his law license was suspended for a year. It's already back. And he had um, some 10-day or 30-day, a very short sentence. And he screwed up America for years. But what you need to know is we're watching the power of government become more and more sophisticated in its use against we the people. And the way it's used is lawfare. Now, you can say in our history, we've always had people that were corrupt. We've always had times where government seemed to be used against us. But the, the difference now and the concern I have now and the reason why you should be worried now is that the power of government has gotten grown so exponentially. So many, in just 25 years, it's grown. You know, after 9-11, we grew the surveillance state. We grew the security state. We grew the, the, the uh, military-industrial complex, that part of our government. Since we've grown the education state, meaning that we have tens of millions of people tied up through loans, student loans in a system. We, we've grown all these aspects, spending in the last five years, spending through the roof. We grew the, the military, excuse me, the uh, health-industrial complex between NIH and CDC, the the power of all these things, consolidation in who controls healthcare, healthcare systems, who are next to government because of Obamacare and Medicare and Medicaid, who pays is who matters. The size and scope of government's grown so much that the power and the use of the power through the legal system, through lawfare, and not just, by the way, not just the legal system. All you have to do is, 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 is notify people that you're on a, uh, in the hot seat, regulatory-wise or otherwise, and you see behavior change. And we're all the way back to what I think is the extension of that essay I refer to so often, and so many of you probably are tired of it, but I hope you read it. The Power of the Powerless by Volek Havel in the late 1970s. He's describing what became the Czech Republic, then Czechoslovakia uh, and, and the surrounding areas. And he's describing behind the Soviet curtain how people behaved and why, in his description, People behaved the way they did it. They didn't have to be told, do this. They realized this was the best way to, the best way to act, the way that was the best for their family was the way that was self-censoring, was uh, self-limiting in terms of action, self-limiting in terms of freedom. That's what we're seeing. And my argument is you, you, you can try to persuade people and you can even be nasty by the cancel culture, but that's sort of old-fashioned Western democracies and Western civilization. Go ahead and fight about it and convince me. What's different now is that the government and the lawfare and the systems, whether you're um, running for office and knocked off the ballot because of a corrupt system, looks like the system's corrupt, whether you're uh, 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 gathering to protest and you end up in jail for months and months and months with no trial, whether you're uh, finding yourself... In a situation like a General Flynn, it, it, again, Sidney Powell and all those lawyers who I think, I think they were mostly making good faith arguments. I've, everything I've seen says they were. They're finding their law license targeted by the left who are using the law license as another way to get at people. Lawfare and how much it's grown, how much it's changed, 
how we function because of the size and scope of government is the real threat to us right now. And you watch uh, big tech, big media, big government work together to enforce the narrative, the narrative machine, as I've told you. That power is profound also. So a lot to be concerned about, a lot to be concerned about. And then yet, and yet, what we know is we do have the best system in the world, right? We have the best basics in the world. We have to get back to the basics. The way to do that is to reinvigorate institutions that are going to be just and about justice. And it's all, But it's also to limit the size and scope of government. We don't need a new majority in the House and Senate who simply want to run the government or influence the government better. We need people that want to dramatically devolve power, not just because it's the right thing to do to give more people power of their lives, but it's also the best way to ensure that we stay together and hang together and work together and live together. All right, that's what you need to know. A little bit of a deep topic. We'll take a break. We got to run. We'll be right back. Lots to talk about. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Our old friend, uh, Dr. Paul Kengor is with us, the author, uh, noted speaker. I saw his name. Uh, he's down in uh, Northern Virginia speaking somewhere soon. My wife noticed it in the newspaper, the Catholic newspaper. She speaks all over the country uh, and also is up at Grove City College uh, teaching the young people. Welcome back, Paul. How are you? Hey, good, Ed. Good to be with you. So, I, you know, one of the things besides being a great um, writer and, and uh, biographer of, of Reagan, as well as some of his people, you've spent a bunch of time looking at communism, looking at um, uh, how Americans uh, were duped. I love that one, the book Duped, uh, Dupes, it's called. And so here we are watching what's happening in the world. And one of your books is The Communist. That was about, uh, what's his name, Frank Marshall Davis. So uh, watching the world, and we're told right now, the media tells us, uh, what to believe, and we believe it. Do, do you believe it? Well, I, I mean, yeah, you have to look at a lot of this stuff cynically, and you've got to be, I mean, you got to be very careful. You're right. I mean, being duped, right? I mean, that, yeah. <laughs> that, yeah, that's something that's gone on for a long time. You know, your work, Ed, with Phyllis Schlafly over the years, I mean, she understood this stuff very, very well. And, and she knew how, especially the far left and even people from the from the communist side, right? Mm-hmm. Um, communist Party USA, the Soviets, they engaged in disinformation. They engaged in duping, misleading people. Uh, I wrote a piece last week for the American Spectator called Putin Plays the Nazi Card. <laughs> and, and, yeah, and, and, in, and in that piece, I know people who clicked it probably thought, Oh, well, you know, Putin is being like Hitler, Ken Gore is going to say, right? And that he's coming up with excuses to invade the Ukraine, uh, you know, claiming that the Ukrainians are persecuting ethnic Russians, just like Hitler did with the Sudetenland, right? Uh, with with, the, with, the, with uh, the people of Poland claiming that they were persecuting ethnic Germans. Well, yeah, that's part of it. But what I was really referring to in that piece was how 
Putin stunningly accused the Ukrainians of, of Nazis, Nazi behavior. He said that you know, he was going into the Ukraine to denazify the Ukraine. And people who read that said, what in the world is he talking about? Well, that's an old KGB disinformation thing. They accuse all of their opponents of being Nazis, of being fascists. And uh, the, you know, this is something that they've done forever Communist Party USA is done forever. I write in the article about Bella Dodd, who um, Phyllis Schlafly probably knew, and she was one of the most prominent people to have left the Communist Party USA, 1950s, 1960s. And I quote her in here. She said, yeah, the Communist Party, the communists use the race situation in a very effective ma uh, manner. They want to create a sense of fear among people, a sense of hatred. They say the white people are against you. They will say that to the Negro person. Um, they will put one racial group against another. She said when she was expelled from the party, I was accused of being anti-Negro, she said, anti-Puerto Rican, anti-Semitic, anti-working class. Suddenly I found myself smeared in the most violent kind of way. And then she said this, Ed. The party knew how to fight very effectively. If anyone tried to attack the communist movement, the party immediately went among the liberals, among hmm. its allies, right. the various bases of support and the help of these people to smear and isolate the person. They would build the person up into being pro-fascist, anti-Negro, anti-Semitic, anti-this and that until the person is blown up into, into creating some kind of monster and horror. She said, and then adding this, sorry to go on. Yeah, yeah. She said, we had certain contacts within the newspaper world, among among liberals, religious left ministers. We would contact them and to see if, if they could use the publicity there to smear the person. So this is the kind of thing that they've been doing, Ed, for 100 years. Yeah, well, and that's the, there's nothing, nothing old is new again. But but here's the question I have, Paul. We're talking again with Paul Kengor, and the author in the book he was just talking about. One of the books we're talking about is Dupes, How America's Adversaries Have Manipulated Progressives for a century it's an incredible history uh but but paul observing this now now again at this moment 2022 right after five years of basically everybody realizing that the mainstream media was lying to us or was so dumb they were misled on everything from russia gate to the ukrainian phone call all this stuff right because of hatred of trump or hatred of whatever and now we're told with a unified voice that sounds a lot like, I don't know, 15 years ago, hey, this is it. It's evil over here and it's brightness over there. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm just a little bit more um, jaded, I guess, than not. And more importantly, on one side of this aisle, uh, this fight is a nuclear power. I mean, we don't need a, a, a problem where somebody loses a war and the way they don't lose it is to drop a dirty nuke on Kiev or, I mean, God forbid, right? Or somehow we escalate this thing. I mean, it's not just, you know, it's not just watching an MMA fight where at the end, if somebody's choked out, we say, oh, let's move on. It's, it's more. And I fear a lot of people in the world are enjoying the dopamine hit of, of Zelensky in a vest and this into that and, and aren't understanding what's, it's, what, what's possible. You know, I, there was a thing on the Babylon Bee, Paul, make you laugh, I'm sure. It said uh, the Archdukes uh, uh, of Europe are getting extra security this week. You know, I mean, it, it, strange things can lead to really, really, really bad situations. 
Yeah, that's right. And and this could go nuclear. It really could. And and in fact, you know, that's not hyperbole. On Sunday, um, uh, Vladimir Putin put his forces on nuclear alert. And 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 we've seen how how crazy Putin can act. And, you know, the Russian bear. Right. You know, don't corner a bear, an angry bear. And, and, you know, he's clearly acting against Ukraine, not only against the wishes of the people of Ukraine, but I think, Ed, probably against the people of Russia, too. And, 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 so, and so you wonder if he's not getting what he wants, what he's expecting, what he wants of his troops. Um, you know, is this somebody who'd be willing to, to use nuclear weapons in Kiev, in the Ukraine? I, I think it's quite possible. And you know, I've lectured on Putin for years, and I've told people all along, you know, does he want to reestablish the old Soviet Union? Well, no. I, I mean, the old Soviet Union was 16 republics, Russia, Tajikistan, Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan. He doesn't want that. But, but he wants a lot of the Ukraine. And people would say to me, how much of the Ukraine? Just the Crimean <laughs> Peninsula, right? Right, right? I'd say, well, I don't know. It looks like now, like he like he wants all of it, but but as to your point there, um, we don't want troops on the ground in there. We don't. As much as I feel bad for the Ukrainian people, um, we can't suddenly now, thirty years after the collapse of the Soviet Union, find ourselves in our first hot war against the Kremlin. <laughs> right? right. Right. I mean, we we do not. That is not where we want to go. And as bad as you feel for the people of Ukraine. Um, no, you don't. You don't want. You don't want a hot war with the Russians. We don't want a third world war. So um, it's it's not a good situation. It is a bad situation. Uh, we're again talking with uh, Dr. Paul Kengor, teaches up at Grove City College, and also uh, is a prolific author. Um, Dr. Kengor, in history, you know. History, when you look back at it, you say, well, w- would that this had happened or that had happened at that moment? You know, would it have changed things? Um, you know, would would did Chamberlain's appeasement uh, do nothing? Did it embolden uh, Hitler? Who, who knows? But right now, one of the things you have to wonder is what's the what are the paths that could open to resolve this and get to peace, right? There is talk, there's reports. I don't know how serious it is, the reports, but there is reports, again, could be spin, could be intelligence, whatever, that there's peace talks or settlement talks or whatever on the Belarus border. But what are the possibilities? I mean, could the Ukrainians, I I love, the media says Ukraine's doing great fighting back. There's still Ukraine versus the Russian army. I mean, and and a nuclear power. Um, is it possible? What what are the possible paths you see that could happen that could pull this back? Well, it's a very good question, and I'm glad to see that they are willing to talk. But frankly, I, I see Putin coming to the table and saying, um, "Here's what we're negotiating. We want all of the Ukraine, <laughs> and we want control of it, and we want Zelensky no longer running the government." Um, unless he's our puppet, and the Ukrainians basically saying what uh, the Ukrainians said on what Snake Island, right? To that, to that, to that, right, right. you know, you know Vladimir, right. go, you know what, to to yourself, right. and 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 so so I mean that yeah that that's uh, so I don't see anything here that they could compromise on. I don't know. This could get really ugly. I, I just wrote a piece for National Catholic Register. It's probably up now. Um, saying, I fear here, Ed, a repeat of Hungary in 1956, 
where you get tens of thousands of people dead at the hands of the Red Army, millions fleeing out of the country. But I don't know that, that maybe that might not be it because it looks like people don't want to flee. It looks like they want to stay and fight. Mm-hmm. So this could be a really deadly dogfight. Um, I, I, I don't know if there's any any kind of settlement that they can agree upon unless Putin's willing to back down. But I don't know that he is willing to back down. That's right. That's the wild card. It's um, it is uh, certainly the, I, I guess the thing, uh, Paul, again, Dr. Paul Kangor is our guest and I'll put up on social media his recent writing and then uh, link to some of his books and all. But the, the, the lesson of history um, or, or what I would say is that a lesson of history is to understand what's possible. And right now, what's possible should be pretty terrifying. I know a war in the Ukraine is is not pleasant, especially for Ukrainians and others. But what's possible uh, is really daunting and ought to be something that gives everybody pause and to say, and sometimes you don't you don't want to uh, corner a, a, a rabid dog, right? And you've got to right. figure out a way to give him a path to 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 run uh, uh, free or or be contained, and that's what I wonder. Um, you know, and and I will say more uh, politically um, slanted than this president doesn't see, and his people don't seem to have a sense of this. They, I don't think they really understand power dynamics. They tend to understand that they want to do what they want to do. Uh, it's a crew that has had an opinion on changing the Ukraine changing its role in history for 15 years and they're still back in power. It, it doesn't look like they understand. I, I, I do think Trump would understand better the, the dynamic of power. You cannot, even the most evil dude, you got to give him a path out or otherwise you, you corner him. Then you get real problems. Well, that's a good point. That's exactly right. And I think that that's something that, that Trump did understand ab- about negotiating. And, you know, Trump got ridiculed a lot for saying things over the last four years or four years he was in in the presidency. Like, um, well, I don't know what's wrong with me getting along with Putin or Kim in North right. Korea. Right. Right. And right. there's a lot to be said for that. It, it's right. quite true. People say, well, the guy's evil. Well, I, I, I know. But 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 there's a lot to be said for getting you know, not accommodating. Right. But but for getting along with somebody in a situation that can, that can actually diffuse conflict. Right. Rather than escalate conflict. And I think if, if Biden can be held in any way responsible for what's going on, I would, don't hold him responsible. But 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 the Russians prey on weakness. And when when what happened in Afghanistan happened there last summer, July, August of 2021, we all said, and I think I even did your show, we said that this sends a signal to people like Putin in Russia, to, to Xi in, in Beijing with Taiwan, right? You know, the, these dictators prey, pay, P-R-E-Y, prey on weakness. And uh, you know, say what you want about Donald Trump, but but Putin did not go into the Ukraine during the Trump presidency. In fact, last time he went in was 2014 under Obama and Vice President Biden. So, um, you know, like Trump or not, you got to give him some credit on that. Yeah. All right. Dr. Paul Kengor, as always, thank you for uh, the commentary and all your great books and works. A lot to learn. Uh, again, interesting times. And uh, we'll have you back on the show again very soon. All right, Ed. Thanks. Oh, Take okay. care. All right, we'll take a break, everybody, and we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report, back in a moment. The 
Welcome back. Welcome back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Our next guest, has been, he's been on before. Uh, Jeff Hunt is the chairman of the Western Conservative Summit. I, I can't remember. I'm sorry to say, Jeff, how it's been a long time, it's, but it feels like. But uh, the important thing is the Western Conservative Summit, which he we were talking off the air, um, it takes a lot of effort to bring these conferences together. It's, it's very important. And so he's got one coming uh, in a few weeks, getting close. I wanted to both highlight it because the reason you do these events is because you know issues are important and you want to get the word out. Now it's true. You get a gang of really great people together. That's true. But you're sort of use them on the way in. I always tell my team, use them to talk about it in the months before have a great event and then talk about it after because it's the issues and the people that are so important. So first of all, welcome, uh, Jeff. How are you? Ed, great to be with you. Thanks so much for having me on. And so tell tell us about what you got, what, what your well, how you feeling right now and what, where this <laughs> is. Uh, give us the kind of rundown. Yeah, so the Western Conservative Summit is one of the largest annual gatherings of conservatives yeah. in the country. It really is, uh, especially what I like about it is it focuses in on the Western United States. So, Ed, I know you're uh, out in California and you got connections all over the Western United States as well. And that's not always represented in the other national conservative conferences, you know. And so we've got to have a place where especially Westerners can get together, talk about the issues that we're facing, which are unique issues. You know, for instance, federal land issues. We have uh, counties out here in the Western United States where 80 percent, 90 percent of the entire county is owned by the federal government. So you can't uh, tax the, the land. And if you can't tax the land, you can't build roads, you can't build schools. And so these are unique issues. And then you have wildfires that you know, consume major portions of these states during the summers. And then water issues. These are all big issues. But then, you know, everything else that people talk about, right? Uh, border security, uh, the Second Amendment, uh, sanctity of life, religious freedom, uh, the kind of future of the conservative movement, all of those things uh, we get to talk about, get to get educated on. And, and it's really a wonderful gathering because we need times like this to get together. So the Western Conservative Summit's June 3rd and 4th. It's at the Gaylord Rockies in Denver, Colorado. And we have folks like Sarah Huckabee Sanders, Kaylee McEnany, Tulsi Gabbard wow. is going to join us. Uh, Betsy cool. DeVos, Matt Walsh, Cal Thomas, Governor Kevin Stitt of Oklahoma just the other day signed into law the most pro-life piece of legislation in the country, essentially outlawing abortion entirely in the state of Oklahoma. Well, in Colorado, uh, we, we went the opposite way. Our leaders, <laughs> yeah, you know, sure did, yeah. our, our leaders embraced radical abortion. And so we're, we need to bring in from out of state uh, leaders to help us understand that. So that gives you a sense yeah, of yep, what yep. we do and, and how it all comes together. Well, and let me say, Jeff, uh, I, I, I get I, my listeners know is when it's somebody I know, I often start in too comfortably because I, I should do more introductions. Uh, Jeff is Jeff Hunt is the director of the Centennial Institute, and that's at Colorado Christian University. It's a very important uh, university out there again in the West because it's willing to be conservative and out there. Even more important, Jeff, I looked it up while you were talking because I remember this um, in politics. You don't meet that many people that are as faithful and as serious about their faith as Jeff is. And partly because I, I think I knew you had a BA in religious studies. I didn't realize you had an MDiv, a, a divinity degree. So not only are you uh, well understand politics, but uh, your faith and it's important. So, but people should check out the uh, Colorado Christian University, ccu.edu, ccu.edu in a time when people really are looking for education. That's actually education and not everything from CRT to, you know, crazy. Uh, it's a, it's a great school, ccu.edu. I'll put it up on social media. And within that, the Centennial uh, uh, Institute where Jeff's the director. All right, Jeff, um, 
COVID hit. So just to actually, I'm being no serious. COVID hit. We're finally through it. A lot of conservatives were ready to be through it for a long time. But as you, but as you know, and we we talked about this. There's sort of honor among uh, uh, thieves like you and me that have to do these events. A lot of our people that like to come are 50 and older. And it is just simply true, even among conservatives, 50 and older with a, a comorbidity, you know, they're nervous about the flu, let alone COVID. And so uh, how how comfortable are you that we're through that, that people you're getting the people? Uh, are you doing a virtual component? Can people uh, uh, do something uh, afterwards online? What to give us some sense of what the impact and how how I, I think I give you guys a credit because um, you're in the space quick quicker than some other conferences, including me. Um, we haven't had our Eagle Council yet, our big one. So Tell me about that feel for people. Yeah, you know, Ed, you're exactly right. And uh, our audience is uh, 65 plus, primarily yeah. female. Um, and and that's something that we care deeply about because obviously we want our attendees to be safe and to live healthy, long lives. So, uh, you know, we do have a digital component. We brought that in. You know, we've always had some component that was online for years, but during the COVID years, we actually went entirely online. And uh, and now we've just com- continued that. So if you go to westernconservativesummit.com, you'll see that there's a button there to attend in person as well as to register to watch online. And uh, we'll send you a link and you can uh, watch it comfortably in the uh, safety of your own home if you're yeah. concerned about COVID. And yep. you, ne- you never know. And who knows what monkey pox is now. Yeah. And, you know, it always seems like something they're going to throw our way. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, our, yeah. Our, our, our audience tends to uh, be a little bit uh, more weary of, of buying into the kind of fear manufacturing. That yeah. Well, yeah, I, I know they are, but I know they are. But I also often tell people one of the things that's dastardly about a lot of times on the left is they, they use fear. Fear is one of the best. It's probably the best persuasion method because it's a fear. You don't act rationally. You don't think it through. You know, convincing someone of the truth of something is a lot harder than making them scared. And 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 even our side, right? All of us. I mean, you get a you get a mom. I remember a mom. She's homeschooling. I don't know, ten kids, and she said, "But two of my kids have asthma, and I'm just not messing around with any respiratory disease, right?" So you we're all making a, a judgments now. Uh, Jeff, different question for you. Uh, we're talking with Jeff Hunt, and Jeff, um, you've seen this for years now. What's the number one or two issue that you think the grassroots that people conservatives are really motivated about, right? That are they're feeling about? Is it is it because of the Roe v. Wade thing that's kind of front and center? Is it because of the the inflation? Is it war? What? How do you? I know there's always a funny game, and I, I'm not talking about what voters are going to vote. I'm talking about what conservatives are really. You know, when you look at that schedule of yours, what's going to pop for these people? Or maybe maybe in that case, it's who is going to really get them excited. Yeah, Ed, you know, that is a great question. And it's the same for us as it is CPAC. When we looked at CPAC straw poll, because they test issues and we always test issues as well. The top two issues or the top issue for the last two years, sorry, top issue for the last two years has been election integrity. And Mm. it's the same at CPAC. Um, and so we are going to have on the main stage, John Fund and Hans von Spaskowski from the oh, Heritage yeah. Foundation yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. to talk about how the left is really manipulating elections. And they are. They're absolutely. And I brought this up with John or with uh, Hans von Spaskowski of the Heritage Foundation just the other day on my radio program. I said to him, you know, what it seems like you guys are arguing is basically kind of how the New England Patriots or the Houston Astros may have cheated in sports. And that's how the left is cheating. 
They look at every possible little angle. Can we deflate a football? Can we bang against a trash can? Uh, if you've, That's what the Houston Astros did to try to win. Right, <laughs> right, right, uh, so right, yeah. It, it, it's, <laughs> can we find these little angles? So conservatives are sitting there during an election going, well, gosh, I sure hope my message resonates with voters. Meanwhile, as you saw probably in the movie 2000 Mules, which is hosted on Salem now, and I recommend everybody sees it. You see the left going, okay, we're going to pay people to go out there and collect ballots and we're going to stuff because no one's paying attention. And the election integrity is so critical because if we don't get that right, Ed, then everything else we're going to lose. We're never going to be able to win an election in a government that requires free and fair elections because we are a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. So election integrity will be a top issue. Border security and the sanctity of life are other two really big issues we'll be covering at the summit. Well, and that's right. Border security out west, uh, it's counter, not counterintuitive, but people say, oh, out west there's lots more uh, illegal immigrants, Hispanic immigrants, illegal as well. And people say, oh, they think differently. They don't think differently everywhere. It's a, it's a rule of law question. Ah, uh, We're talking with Jeff Hunt. Again, I'll put up on social media. Make sure you see it. Western Conservative Summit. It's June 3rd and June forth um you can also watch online people do watch online because they get great speakers one interesting thing again jeff to, to focus on this it is trump's party in a way it's america first party the issues have shifted but like tulsi gabbard she'll be a huge hit in part because she was able she's able to she's not particularly she's not uh, broadly conservative she's conservative on a few things including uh censorship and and the scope of war actually but in other things she'd be liberal um but she'll get a great reaction i'm sure from your folks in part because she speaks she's able to speak against the orthodoxy of the left, right? Glenn Greenwald, Glenn Greenwald, who's not conservative, but he's, he's able to identify, Bill Maher is even able to identify how crazy the far left has gotten. Having said all that, Jeff, and you're in the business of communicating ideas. That's what the summit is. And that's what all the work you're doing. How, we're still dealing with a massive problem of the scope and power of big tech, big media, and with the Democrats in charge so many places, big government. I call it the narrative machine. It, it defines what the narrative is, big government, big tech, big media. And even though we're all great people, a lot of us get persuaded and think that's the truth. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, and uh, in fact, we denied the Denver Post press credentials to the Western Conservative Summit for the first time ever, 13 years. Because at this point, I don't get why we would even bring them. Um, when you talk about defining the narrative, they don't cover us fairly. Uh, and they clearly have an agenda. Here in Colorado, the Denver Post was openly recommending that people donate to Act Blue abortion funds. So uh, Act Blue is the is the Democrat uh, media or fundraising operation. So why would a why would a media organization, a, a, a newspaper that's intent on being impartial and covering honestly, uh, encouraging its readers to donate to Democrat operated and run abortion funds? So we just don't uh, honestly, it just doesn't matter to us to include them anymore. And I think that. This has changed because I used to run the media operation for the Western Conservative Summit. We worked really hard to get everybody there. We wanted everybody there. Yeah, to help yeah. Yeah, and now yeah. I just don't care anymore. I, we have <laughs> our own media outlets. We have places like Breitbart. They're going to carry us. C-SPAN is going to carry us. Uh, Benny Johnson, his whole media platform over at Newsmax is going to carry us. So I'm going to get my message out to the conservatives that matter. And I don't really care about engaging with the liberal media operation anymore because they are so past being impartial. They are so agenda driven and their agenda is to defeat and destroy 
organizations and people like us because we don't buy into their narrative. And so I'm just not going to include them anymore. But to your point on Tulsi, I do have this. I I do think President Trump is encouraged, is exploring her as a possible VP pick. Mm. Um, She's getting out there and I'll share with you why she's getting out there. Uh, I think he's going to do fine with evangelicals. If, if his three Supreme court picks uh, support the overturn of Roe v. Wade, evangelicals will be all in and supportive of him. Uh, now we're not in the business of campaigns and elections. That's, yep, that's yep. not our position to support candidates, right, but right. I think evangelicals broadly will. And uh, who did he really struggle with during the last election? Independent women. And so Tulsi's coming to spend the whole weekend with us. I mean, she's going to, she's not just flying in to give a speech. She's going to be around. She's going to attend the, our, our dinners and interact with our attendees. So I really think, uh, she, we've got to keep an eye. I think that, that yeah. something's going to develop there with her. Oh, interesting. That's good. All right, Jeff, I wish I had more time then. I would talk to you more. Jeff Hunt, everybody. I'll put up on social media again, remind you, June 3rd and 4th, Western Conservative Summit. Uh, you can go online and uh, check out all the program who's there. Uh, if you can get to it, uh, it's at, the, of course, the Centennial Institute at Colorado Christian University. Uh, we'll put, again, put it all up on social media. Uh, and I like the time to saddle up and ride too. I like that one. That's cool. Uh, and so thank you, Jeff. We'll be back in touch. We'll talk again soon. Thank you, Ed. God bless you all. Okay, thank you. We'll take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Uh, Back in a moment. Welcome back, everybody. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, I'm out of time, literally, the great producer, greatest producer in the world, Noah Dingley, gets mad at me. He will be mad today. I'm totally out of time. Thank you, Noah, for all you do. Joanna Spilger, our associate producer, thank you for listening. And especially, uh, as I say, headed into this weekend, happy Memorial Day. So many veterans listen. So many folks have served. God bless America. We remember all those who fought for us and especially those who gave the ultimate sacrifice. Ed Martin, Pro-America Report, back next week. Thank you. The Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.